This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Listen, everybody got a back again. Don't take no mess at the Rose Garden. Razors, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast is part of the Odyssey family. You can get us on the Odyssey app as well as on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else that you get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe, do all that, help grow the show on all those platforms. Uh, Another episode with Eric today. This is just kind of... Last time Eric was on was the preseason predictions episode, so we kind of figured a month into the season we would do a little check-in, just kind of take the temperature on how people are feeling about things right now. The Blazers, as of right now, are 5-12. and 12. They're two games into the four-game post-Thanksgiving road trip. They just beat Indiana yesterday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. It's going up on a Wednesday, but they beat Indiana, blew that big lead to Milwaukee, which was I don't think anybody expected them to be up 26. Uh, you know, Scoot is back now. Anthony Simons, I think, is going to be back in the next couple of weeks. So it's just a, it's just a whole lot of, you know, we, we're just kind of going through where everything is at right now, checking in about a month into the season. There's some Rip City remix talks and Mo Harkless talk uh, as well, if that's of interest to you. So let's get to that right now. So, Eric, the last time we did this, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday morning, the 28th. Uh, the day after the Blazers' fifth win of the season in Indiana, which is on the back-to-back after the Milwaukee game. we Last time we did this was the predictions episode, at like right before the season started. So how are we feeling? How, just, just, just in general. You know, we're, we're about a month into the season. The Blazers are 5-12. and 12. How, how, how are you feeling? Feeling, it's it, the last, what, five days week mm-hmm. has been a lot better than the previous two weeks, two and a half weeks right before that. Like the first week of the first couple of weeks of the season wasn't so bad. And then all those injuries hit and it yeah. just, it just sucked the life out of the team. And I still have some concerns like I, you know, I, but it's it's been inc- they're playing hard. 
yeah. Especially defensively, they're trying. Um, and I think there's there's a lot that I could ask for more, but you know, they're a young team. And it's just like that's that's part of the deal. It's like there's always a lot of shortcomings with a very young team. I think the thing I have kept coming back to is and I you were talking about this a little bit earlier on X, aka Twitter. But uh, there have been some stories and some tweets just in general about teams such as the Detroit Pistons and kind of where their rebuilds are at. And when you look at that, you just start to think, you know what, this 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 is not that bad to cover. This is not that bad to watch on a night-to-night basis. No, you look at Washington, you look at Detroit. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're not rebuilding, but Memphis – is a team where like you don't want to be there either like a team that was a top two seed the last couple of seasons is now has a worse record than the blazers like the blazer and the blazers have like they have some cool draft things happening with this golden state stuff like there's a lot more there and and scoot goggle scoot is really like a, a real shot in the arm for this team. Obviously they needed to get Brogdon back as Brogdon's probably their most competent NBA guard, especially with Simons out, but right. Getting scoot dude. And just having that extra burst and just like that oomph that scoot brings. And the fact that he's making shots makes his game and his like floor generalness. It, it makes it sing a little bit more. And I, I, the last, the first three games of scoot being back, it's been, it's been good. Obviously he's had some rust and he's going to make mistakes. Cause he's just, you know, he's playing what his sixth or seventh NBA games. Like, but I, I really enjoyed uh, scoot with the goggles and post post injury. Yeah. The goggles thing is interesting besides this, the, the vibes element of it, because the reason that he had to wear the goggles is because uh, he had to, you know, get fitted for contact, which was, was interesting because, like, we were talking to him about it after the uh, after the uh, game in uh, the the first game that he played against the Jazz, and he was saying that he had never had any kind of you know vision problems or never had to wear any kind of glasses or contacts, and they just said, "Hey, maybe you should get contacts," and they, you know. And the goggles were like to, for him to like stop touching his eyes, which I thought was interesting because you know having worn contacts at one point in my life, I got LASIK a few years ago, so I don't deal with any of that anymore. But having worn contacts at a different point in my life, I can remember like when you, you you're first getting used to having something in your eye. But then they kind of accidentally created this look. But the fact that like now as an NBA rookie, he gets fitted for contacts and has vision correction for the first time. It's interesting you bring up the shot making. I wonder if that was really like one of his issues, why 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 he wasn't a very good shooter in the G League. And I guess we're gonna find that out. That would be such a wild story if that were the case. That this guy worked his way up to being the number three pick in the NBA draft and couldn't even see the the rim clearly. Like <laughs> like 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 that's crazy to me. And like again, just like. I, 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 yeah, this story is, and also as a fellow, you know, four eyes, like I, I, I respect it. Like, I love it. It's a big moment for us who hooped back in the day with goggles on by before I got contact lenses when I was playing basketball at like 
you know, at, at a very young age, I had to wear the specs. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, respect to Scoot for, for bringing that look back. Um, and I think it's been nice to see, you know, obviously they're going to have growing pains, but it's been nice to see Scoot and Shay play together also. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the shaded thing is interesting too because he start he had such an incredible first two weeks of the season. It started to fall off a little bit, and I wonder how much of that is just how much he had to do. Because remember, there was that there was that stretch when all of their other guards were injured, and it was basically him and Skylar Mays were their only healthy guards on the you know they were they were available to play, and he was playing like forty two forty four minutes. That there was the the overtime game against. Uh, Memphis where he played 46 minutes and he was saying after the game like I had to even look and see how many minutes there are in a game like I wonder how much of his I I, I wonder how much of it is the thumb which I might still be bothering him because he had that that thumb sprain like a less a less severe version of this thing that Simons had at the beginning of the season and then just how much he had to do while everybody was out I wonder if that's what's led to kind of some of the the shooting struggles of the last couple of years or yeah I mean rather yeah, I mean he's down to thirty nine point one percent after last night's game. Yeah, from the field. Yeah, and and that's just not great. I mean, I think he's. I think I saw forty four percent on two pointers, um, which is you know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean a lot. You of don't want to be under forty from the field. No, you don't. Being under forty from the field is bad, and doesn't matter what age you are. Like that's just not good. And, uh. I'm glad that he's going to continue getting usage. I mean, like, I don't want him to take less shots because mm-hmm. I think he needs to take shots because they that's where the Blazers are at. But, you know, I think there are some times where it does feel like other than Brogdon and Jeremy obviously gets a lot of looks too, but it does feel like at times, and I felt like they did a good job, a better job of it last night. It does feel like at times when games get close that they forget about Aiton. And 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 kind of like aren't looking for him as much. And obviously, you know, he doesn't have this reputation as like this big clutch guy, but like he's probably one of their better offensive players. I mean, he just like he's money from the mid range. It's usually an open look when he gets it. Uh, if anything, I feel like Aiton deserves some more offensive uh, involvement, uh, which you know. I know that they have a lot of guards and a lot of wing players that need the ball and need shots like Jeremy and Brogdon and Scoot and Shea. It just, it does feel like with how efficient he is, Aiton deserves a little bit more of that share offensively, in my opinion, you know, 17 games in through, in through the season. Yeah. And I think they're kind of starting to figure that out. And Chauncey has talked before about how he, they need to try to get him the ball more. And I, I think, I think some of that is going to come with, their guards getting healthy. I'm interested in your thoughts on on this too. Uh, once Simons does come back, which, as far as I know, is going to be within the next couple of weeks, because he's at about the four week timeline of the six weeks that they said after he had the thumb surgery. So we're you know we're we're talking probably early to mid December is when he's going to be back. What do you do about the starting rotation and about the guard rotation? I think you have to. I don't think you can go three guards and and play Shaden at the three. I think you have to keep Tumani Kamara in the starting lineup for defensive purposes, or go back to Thibel. One of those two has to be in the starting lineup. But how do you do the Ant 
Scoot, Brogdon, Shea. How do you how do you do that as the as who's which two guys start, which two guys come off the bench? That's a great question because I think part of the problem is is that three of those four guards are more comfortable with the ball in their hands as point guards. Mm-hmm. Like 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 I think the more I think the natural thing to do is start Ant and start Shaded. Like that's to me, about where I am. Yeah. So to me, that's the more natural positional fit defensively it doesn't compromise you and i have been one of the people who's been ragging like what is this team's identity for about two for about all of chauncey's tenure and it's very early but it seems like right now defense is their is kind of their identity like they try hard on defense they they give themselves a chance to be in games because of their defense their offense is 29th right now out of 30 teams their their defense is 14th and last year, I felt like they gave up, but that was one of the things. Like even when they were ten and three to start last season, teams were getting a ton of open three pointers, open corner threes. One thing that the Blazers have done well, according to cleaning the glass, is they're limiting their opponents' three point attempts. I think they're in the top ten in, and I think they're top five in total threes, and I think they're top ten in corner threes in terms of the opponent fewest three- attempts allowed the frequency of their shots, yeah. like the percentage of shots that they're allowing from three. Now they're getting a lot of guys getting to the rim. I think they're 29th in got in shots at the rim, but they're doing a much better job guarding the three point line in a league where everyone is looking for threes. And so I think that has been a big thing. And so you kind of need to lean on that. In my opinion, you kind of need to at least have the size out there and stick Kamara out there. And I, yeah, I don't think shading at the three is a realistic option at this point what yeah i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of there too and i think the way it's probably going to end up shaking out is it's going to be you move ant to the one start him with shea and then you have brogdon and and scoot off the bench and i think the in a in a weird way i kind of think you know as much as you know it sucked that scoot got hurt five games into his nba career i think sitting out for a couple of weeks and then coming back and being brought off the bench might end up being good for him because I think you've started to see him be more comfortable the last couple of games in terms of, you know, you're playing him mostly with the second unit and there's like doing a mix of playing him on the ball and then playing him off the ball and having Brogdon out there some with him. And it almost, it feels like, you know, obviously like when it's like, oh, the number three overall pick who was the heir apparent to Damian Lillard is now coming off the bench. Like, you know, it's easy to look at that as like, oh, this guy's a disappointment or this guy isn't living up to expectations. But I think for, you know, what this year is supposed to be as far as a developmental year, uh, it, I think there was kind of a way, you know, the injury and then, you know, him coming back from the injury was like a way for them to kind of, soften the blow so to speak and bring him off the bench which i think has been good for him and i think should and probably will continue for the at least the next couple of months at least we'll see what happens later on in the in the season but i think that's kind of the best i think for everybody right now yeah and well and right now while ant is out you know, you're starting the game with brogdon and jeremy and these veterans and uh-huh. what what do you have coming off the bench now you've got a shot in the arm you've got a guy that can get you into your into your offense guy that can make plays get to the rim he's been making the shots lately like he he's been a really good sixth man and and like it clearly has gone well for him it's gone well for the team i mean they've they've won two out of the last three with this structure so 
I think whatever wins is is going to be the best sale, best thing to focus on is like this is helping the team win, and like we don't know what's going to like like Brogdon is on the team right now. They say they want to keep him, but things could change, sure. and things and and things probably like you know they, they've got a lot of guards. They've got to figure this out, and so. I think Scoot getting hurt kind of made it an easier transition to your point that like maybe this is what they should have been doing all along. Yeah, and I understand the decision at the beginning of the season from Chauncey's end because Scoot did have a good camp and I think they kind of thought like let's throw him into the fire and see how he adapts and then obviously that didn't go well to start the year and then he got hurt and that kind of made the decision for him because I remember before he got hurt. I remember, I remember I was at, um, their home opener after Scoot had that disastrous first game against the Clippers. And I was talking to somebody and it was starting to become like, uh, you know, a question of, you know, should they keep Scoot in the starting lineup or should they start Brogdon with shade and, you know, and, and have that, and have that be the, and have that be the thing. And then Scoot getting hurt kind of made that decision for them in the short term. And I, kind of think it ended up working out the way it was supposed to work out not for the circumstances anybody wanted because obviously you don't ever want a guy to get hurt but and Scoot said it himself after his first game back against Utah the other day that sitting out for a couple of weeks and being able to just watch what was going on and you know having to just kind of observe it from the sidelines he thinks that was good for him yeah no that's that that's awesome like just learning more about how the NBA game is played uh, the spacing, the the help defense, the size, like, I mean, I think that's one thing, like, going to the G League Ignite game, or not the G League Ignite game, the Rip City Remix game that I know is like, is like, there We're gonna are going to talk big, about the remix, by the way. Yeah, we will. There, there are big dudes in the G League, but they're not quite as big as they are in the NBA. And I think right. just the sheer size and length of dudes, like, I mean, I think that's, a, I mean, obviously the vision, who knows what was going on with that. I can't, you know, we can't grade like how much that affected the turnovers, but like, I think a lot of the turnover problems were like getting used to NBA size and getting used to NBA quickness and defensive schemes. And, uh, and, and I think even maybe a, and a level of physicality compared to the G league. So like, I, I think all those things were factors, but I think it's worked out well for them. And uh, I would love to see Scoot continue to build off of this. And I think one of the other good things is like, yeah, he's coming off the bench, but he's finishing these games. Like yeah. he's been fin- he's been in at the end. Like it was almost like he was like playing like the four at times during last night's game. Like obviously Jeremy Jeremy is like more of the wing, but he was like setting screens, rolling, spacing. Like he was like it was almost like he was playing offensively like a power forward position, almost like a Westbrook type like point guard four thing. And well, he has that build. He has that body. Yeah, he does. It works. And like 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 Bruce Brown, like these guys that can set a screen and roll and make a play off the short roll, like that could be a part of his game that he adds to it. And like um obviously you've got all the other point guard stuff, but I think there are other ways with so many other guards that I think Chauncey's figuring out ways in which he can plug him into these really guard heavy lineups and still have it make sense. What have you thought of overall the Chauncey job this year because I know that's something you've been very critical of more so than most in Blazers media I think over the past couple of years so I'm curious where you're at on it now I mean the defense the fact that they were like I mean obviously they were losing a lot of games but like I felt like they were trying hard I felt like their defense they're like their defensive intensity is good I think they're 
I, for how young and inexperienced they are, it's been fun to see them play solid defense for the most part. Uh, so I have to give him credit for that. Like, like I have to give him credit for getting these guys to buy in. I think at, at, at points, the offense, there have been times where it's been like, oh, that's a cool wrinkle. That's fun. Like, like uh, I think one thing I saw yesterday was like Scoot set, like I just mentioned it, Scoot setting a screen for a guard and, and having an action go off that way. Um, I mentioned trying to get eight in the ball more, but so has he. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, they can get into like, we got to get guys into their spots and, and space the court and kind of like, there's no movement on like the backside, which like is to maintain spacing, but also allows the defense to kind of gear up and set up if they're not worried about anything happening away from the ball. And so, uh, again, it seems like more of like a playoff type. This is my thing with Chauncey. It's like the Blazers play like almost like a playoff hunt a matchup style offense that I think is what a lot of playoff teams do when they get there, but it, they're not going to be there for, they're not going to be, they're not going to be there for a couple of years. So it's like, it would be nice to have like a little bit more backside action, a little bit more motion, a little bit more easy baskets. I feel like, I feel like the blazers don't get easy baskets and that's probably, and that's probably my number one, pet peeve with the Blazers offensively is like when they're playing well offensively and making shots, it looks great. But a lot of times they're not like their shots are just not that easy. And it's part of it is probably, you know, the, the talent they have, but they also got some good guys like Brogdon and Grant are like, and, and Aiton are all like, you know, at least like top 60 players. Like, 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 like they have talent. So I think, if you put that, if you put pressure on the defense to think about like where guys are and 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 have them on the move, I think that would be beneficial. But you know, I think that's my biggest pet peeve. There's not enough like easy baskets, even though they're playing well defensively. I don't feel like they're getting making life easier for themselves offensively. And I think everything is really difficult, even though they have a lot of skilled offensive players. And you kind of saw that the last two nights. There was obviously when they blew the 26-point lead against the Bucks. there was just that stretch in the fourth quarter where I think they shot 29% from the field in the fourth quarter Yeah, as a team. And then, and then last night, and I mean part of this was just in the Indiana game, but TJ McConnell checks in and is kind of functions as like their Matisse Thibel. Like he just is like making it hell on, on, on everybody and is just everywhere like getting, you know, getting steals, getting loose balls, all this kind of kind of stuff, keeping guys from getting open. But there was just this stretch of, like, the end of the third quarter in the Pacers game where they just could not make anything. And I think, because you know, to your point about none of their shots really coming easy, and maybe part of this will change once Simons comes back, but uh, it just was, like, there, there, are, there are stretches where they just can't create anything. Yeah, and it gets kind of bogged down, and it seems like there's no like there's no like pet play. There's no like thing like when in doubt we're gonna go to this, and like it feels like the when in doubt we're gonna go to this is like Jeremy at the elbow or right. Jeremy at the post, and like Jeremy fi- figures something out, like because he can always get his shot. He's a high percentage shooter for the most part, but like isoing Jeremy like it is what like the Pistons did two years ago, and that's not really like a that's not a recipe for like, obviously they're not trying to be good, but if they're going to try and win games and Jeremy has done that before and won games. I mean, last year 
their 10 and three start, I think, you know, half of those games were like Jeremy takeover just late in the game. And so he can do that. I just, uh, sometimes I feel like the job is really hard for him and it could be easier. Uh, is I guess my, my, my biggest problem with the offense. I think it could be easier for everybody. What did you think about watching Dame the other day? I mean, Hey, uh, the, the, the bucks, I mean, they can't believe they were like, they can't believe the Blazers were up 26. In yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I think really that's the number I did one not have that. I did not have that on the, in the, it felt akin to the Kelgin Blevins Laker game night. Oh my like, god! Yeah. Like it, like it felt, it felt the same way. Where it's like, we know this team should not be winning. I mean, the Blazers actually. This won is the one right game. after the deadline, after they traded CJ and everybody. Yeah, after they traded CJ and they beat the Lakers and Blevins hits like three threes and like they blow the Lakers out at home. And uh, I mean, even though they didn't get the W, it felt kind of like a W. The fact that the Bucks had to come back from twenty six down to win the game eventually and it got ugly there at the end obviously it wasn't fun to watch for the blazers but i mean look dame is i think figuring it out with Giannis. i think it it, it, he's coming into Giannis's house now right Right. like like, so he's got to play by Giannis's rules even even though it does feel like at the end of these games like against the blazers or any close games that i've seen with dame out there it does seem like they really have a place to go. You know, the Bucks do. Like, like they can just go to Dame. He can draw a foul. He can get to the line, make his free throws, unlike Giannis, and just, like, it calms everything down, just having that safety blanket. Just, you know, the Bucks are 12-5, and five, but they don't look 12-5. and five No. When you watch them play. It's not, it's not, it, there's, there's definitely, and part of it, I mean, Middleton just got hurt again. So I, but I think, but I think he's kind of at the point where it's like, you can't, count on Middleton being healthy at this point anymore no you have to like make sure that Middleton's healthy for the playoffs you and can't then, like Malik Beasley is starting in that spot which is not gonna you know and well like dude there were times like in the game against the Blazers where they're like it's like the last three minutes of the game and when they weren't going to Dame or Giannis they're like we got to get the rock to Malik Beasley and it was and like that's not a know. place you want to be in if you're a contender no, it's not. It's not a place you want to be. And it's like he's willing to shoot, but like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's tough out there. But it's like, your, what are your options? It's like that. Pat Connaughton, you know, they, they, they need a guy that's willing to take those shots. But it's like it does feel like sometimes they lean on other things other than like you know what should be their bread and butter, which is the Dame and Giannis pick and roll, which you know they have done more of lately. But early in the season, they were like not doing it at all. Um, and I think they still need to work on that because like, I don't think Giannis has ever really played with a, a, a guard in the pick and roll. That's as good as Dame and knows what to do with that. So I think they're still figuring it out, but um, I'm not very high on the bucks, I guess right now as like a title contender, which is, it hurts to say, cause like wanted Dame to go win a ring, but just like, I haven't been very impressed. And when they've played good teams, it hasn't looked good. Well, I don't know if you saw this just now, but they're playing Miami tonight in Miami. Uh huh. And Jimmy Butler is ruled out. Well, good, good for the Bucks then, because that way <laughs> they'll get into the in-season tournament uh, officially. Because I think they they needed to win that game to lock up uh, their group. So good for them, I guess. But like, I think I think it'll be really, really interesting 
when they get to the knockout stage and that magnifying glass on like Adrian Griffin's decisions gets even bigger, like, and, and the, and the dynamic between Dame and Giannis, I think that's going to be maybe the most intriguing storyline of like the in possible in season tournament angles is like this, like, you know, almost playoff preview sort of thing for the bucks and other teams. Like let's say the Celtics get in. Uh, you know, what's that going to look like? Which, like, all the questions about how they deal with the playoffs are still going to – are going to come up again, or do they even make it? Like, I think the, the – I'm getting on a tangent here, but, like, uh, about the in-season tournament. So, I'm, I'm is the, is the, Here's how you – if you want to legitimize the in-season tournament, we'll see if a coach gets fired for flaming out in the in-season tournament like they would for the playoffs. That is an interesting thing to watch with the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, and I think, like, it wouldn't be, like – yeah, yeah, I, I, it would be a new thing. And it would be a totally way to legitimize it. And I think, you know, I think the Lakers, the Lakers also, of course, if the Lakers win, then it's totally going to be legit. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like if the Lakers win the NBA Cup, the NBA Cup is going to become a thing. Yeah, it's the prestige zone. Of course. The in-season tournament is the prestige zone. Uh, so how was your, you went to the, rip city remix home opener against the south bay lakers i was not at that one i've covered two other ones i haven't been able to get to more as a as somebody who went as a civilian it's a little bit different for me going as media but as a civilian how how did you like the rip city remix atmosphere at the child center because that's the biggest new thing now with the with the blazers this season oh man dude it it it, it felt like something that had always been here uh-huh like it felt like something that had always been a part of the city and the culture and basketball culture in Portland. Like it just like it felt every it felt so natural. Like it just like felt like everyone had been kind of waiting for this and it was fun and you know they it was a competitive game and the 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 drink the beers are cheaper and you can you know you can get a walk in taco and it's just like it feels very minor league and like the hand fruit the hand fruit, like it feels very minor league, and like this is a city that, like, but back when they had Triple A baseball, they loved the Triple A baseball team. They people show out for the Portland Pickles, which is like a summer baseball team for college baseball players, and people show up for that. Like, this is very much a city that loves to come around for a minor league sport, and uh, and I think the tickets being cheap, it just like it all created like a familial atmosphere, and it, like you know, and then like you know the Blazers brass are there it's like conan yeah. and schmitz and all of them like they're over there and you've seen jim moran do his thing and repair was playing that game and uh my buddy and i were like dude what's the deal with it? why is it repair in the game at the late late in the game we gotta get him these, <laughs> we gotta get him these late game reps and like uh our buddy seth uh uh seth allen comedian blazer fan asville asville king um, and we went to the game together and we were, we were just, and he was like, dude, Rupert kind of looks like G league Giannis out there. <laughs> like, 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 like he does like the, like the drive, like he takes the rebound, goes coast to coast, you know, gets to the basket. And it's like, also, it's just like, I can't believe that. Like, I think, I think the, I think the thing that I can't believe the most about the G league team is a, it always feels like it's been here, but B how much defense the former regime played against this town having a G League team and the Blazers having a G League team. Like, you can't tell me that, like, uh, Ryan Rupert working on his game against, like, six, eight dudes. Like, one of the dudes on the Lakers was a former five-star recruit. 
Like you can't tell me that that's better than him going going at it playing five on five against video coordinators in the Blazers practice facility. <laughs> like you can't you can't tell me that this isn't a better development path. And so and like also Scoot being able to practice with them, like I, I, all that stuff. Like it, it, it's so cool. And I mean, what did you think of it? But that, that, that's my perspective. I think it just rules. And I yeah. can't believe they didn't have it. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I about a year ago when I was working on. Uh, I was at the showcase in Vegas and I was working on a story about when the Blazers were going to get a G League team. I went back and I watched Neil's media day press conference in 2019. And I remember I asked him about the G League team and he said something about how like, well, we I don't think we're at a competitive disadvantage by not having a G League team. And it's like, you just go to a couple of these games and you're just like, what, like, what, what were they, what was what anybody were they doing? doing? Like, yeah. Like, Chris Murray, their first-round pick, their other first-round pick besides Scoot, hasn't really gotten in the rotation early because, you know, young guys are just hard to get in the rotation right away. He's getting real minutes. He's playing for the remix. Like, they, you know, last year they had Baji, who they just brought back, uh, on a two-way contract the whole year. But he didn't play at all. He didn't play for the Blazers, and he didn't play in the G League because they didn't. They would have had to ship him somewhere else. Like they sent Greg Brown to the Ontario Clippers at one point last year. They sent John Butler to the Stockton Kings in order for them for them to actually give Baji minutes after using one of their two way spots on him for the whole year. They would have had to send him out of town to a different organization where that organization's G League team priority isn't developing him. It's in you know developing yeah. their own guys, and so now it's like they have their G League team, they get to actually, you know, now they, they brought Baji back on the two-way contract. Now they get to, you know, actually play him in games. And I didn't get to watch either of the two games he just played in, but I saw that in his last one he had four blocks and only one foul. So if he gets real reps and suddenly this Baji thing becomes, instead of like, oh, you know, they have this kid that might be really good in two years, if he gets to actually play and people get to actually watch him instead of it being like this theoretical thing... Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something that just gets a lot more people interested. And the fact that besides the tickets being cheap, like I think tickets are like $8, I think, if you just want to get in the door. But I don't know if people know this, but every G League t- game, Home and Road, is free. to You can just watch them for free on YouTube, on the G League's YouTube page. You can just watch all of them for free. You don't have to buy League Pass. You don't have to install a new app. You can just go on YouTube and go to the G League's page. And you can watch their games for free. Yeah, that rules. And and again, yeah, it's you can actually test your theories to your point, like about like Baji or Rupert or other dudes like Chris Murray, and you can actually see them play. And instead of this, like, I mean, literally, like guys, like like that was the, the what they were doing. If like if guys weren't getting minutes, they're playing pickup against Scott Brooks and video coordinators and other assistant coaches that are not trying to make the NBA. And it's like, it it just seems very simple, yet it was, you know, a long, a long, arduous process to even get here. But uh, also, I have to say, like, again, like, not to be, you know, kissing the feet of billionaires, but good job, Jody, on that one. Like, good job, uh, like, greenlighting that expense and greenlighting that thing, because also it'll come back whenever... Whenever they sell the team, like that's that's a that's an asset now right. to the franchise, and so like I think you know whether I don't think it was like benevolent, I think it was just smart, and like I think they deserve credit for that. Well, I think uh, every, it was everyone involved. 
Well, I think it was more just that Joe went to ownership and said, hey, we think it'll be better for us as a basketball operations staff if we had a G League team. And even though this is going to lose money, it's better for us and it's better for the organization. And she said, cool, let's do it. Yeah, I, it's don't, like, I don't know how I don't think it's like a ton of money. I think it's like I don't know what the operating cost per year of a G League team is, but it's like it's like in I think it's like in the single digit millions of dollars. So it's not like this insane outlay of money for somebody with with that much money. So I don't want to give them too much credit for doing it, but because it's like not that much money as far as this stuff goes. But, right. you know, they used to not have it, but now but they have it. So but it's we talk, you know, the, the everyone here talks about the market. Yeah. You know, and how how undesirable it is to NBA free agents and whatnot. So you have by everyone be, you mean you mean the person that but, didn't want a G League team before. The person that didn't want a G League team before. Yeah, but like <laughs> if that's your point of view, then it makes it even more important that you work on the margins. And the G League is one of those things. Like I think a lot of people don't give them a lot of credit because they're the Lakers. But like the Lakers are a team that uses the G League extremely well. Right. Like where that, did Alex Caruso come from? Exactly. Like like Max Christie was playing for the South Bay Lakers like all year last year and now he's getting real minutes for the Lakers. Like the the, the Lakers are a great example and it's like they're a huge market. Everyone wants to play for the Lakers, but they also know that they've got to do all the little things that add up to, you know, cuz you can't just hit big on one guy and think it's going to fix everything. Miami like, too. Like they, yeah. they, how many, how many guys are we, have? we're on like, they're like seventh or eighth guy in the last few years that we're talking about as like, Oh, I can't believe the heat just found this guy in the G league. Like whether, you know, Max Struess or, you know, Gabe Vincent or, you know, any, any of these dudes that like, they just seem to find that end up yeah, you know, think, being productive think, NBA I, players. Yeah. Yeah. I think Caleb Martin was on a two-way contract. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he was also playing back and forth, like, and now he's, you know, probably do he's he's probably going to get a huge payday next mm-hmm. summer. Like, and, and and yeah, it just happened. It, like, like, like it, but you have to work at it. You have to you have to have the intention that you're going to use it. Yeah, and so far, I mean, the Blazers like. I get these notifications from their PR account every single day, basically, because they have because like they're, by rule they have to announce every single time they send a guy to and from the G League just because it's like a procedural thing. But I get notifications every single day that they either sent Rayon Rupert to the remix or recalled him or you know Moses like they have they're like they're they're using it like I think they might have already used as many done as many G League assignments and call ups in the two weeks that the team has existed as Neil did in the nine years that he was the GM. Yeah. I have to say one thing I learned about those, about those, that procedure though, shout out to the uh, Blazers employees that have to fill out that paperwork every day. Yeah. That's, that's just, one of those... it's just one of those NBA things where it's like, like I've heard that like, if you're managing the G league practice thing, you have to fill out all these crazy forms. And it's not mm-hmm. like we see the back end of it of just like, we get the push. Like yeah. there's actual employees that have to do that, <laughs> and it's it's also just been so fun to watch. Like the I, I I say fun sarcastically. It's not actually fun, and I actually had to write something about this last week. But it's also like people people's brains are so wired now to just get the dopamine hit of any kind of transaction, no matter how small it is. That people will react a certain type of way every time one of the, like like when the, the other the other day, like the other day when like Scoot was getting ready to come back. And they announced that they were putting Scoot in the G League. Like, 
that's a very standard just procedural thing they just were gonna have him practice there for one day because they was yeah. getting ready to come back and the blazers weren't practicing that day and so if he could get an extra practice in with the remix to get his ramp up it's a very boring thing that's like not even worth talking about on a podcast but they send out the notification scoot henderson number three overall pick has been sent to the g league and then it becomes a whole thing and it's like oh my god, the number three pick who they basically are replacing Dame with is getting sent to the G League. And like, I got a couple of different texts from friends being like, hey, is Scoot going to play in the remix game on Friday? Should I buy tickets to that? <laughs> like, And it's like, no, it's actually just a procedural thing that is not a thing at all. And it's only a thing because of who it is. And like, <laughs> like yeah, but it, so I had to like, it's, it's our collective just, addiction to slop. Yes. Yeah, to the to the point that like I saw I I saw somebody last night a prominent uh, NBA media person for a major outlet who actually is 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 a is a friend and like like some somebody who's who's good. But I saw them tweet out Jeremy Grant's stats, and I could just tell that was like trying to manifest some slop when I don't think they're going to trade him. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I mean it's like it's like I think I mean that's what the machine craves. Mm-hmm. Like the mach- like like cuz cuz look, it, we're like, on like 2 weeks of Zach Levine like feverish oh trade speculation oh right God. now and it's like is that is Zach Levine a top 20 player in the NBA? I don't think he is, but we have to because he's the latest guy that people have heard of that is maybe on the trade block. That that has to be what all the national shows talk about now. Well, and like, look, I we've you and I have both been in the blog trenches for big media companies, and oh, yes. we know that rumor, trade rumor, yeah. always does better than anything else online. But it's, dude, it's, I see it now. I the the but it's like it's like the TV. What what the fuck is the, excuse me? But like, what is ESPN? Like, I understand they're trying to go viral, but it's like at a certain point, like, aren't you ESPN? Like, do you have to go viral? Do you like you have an audience? Yeah, like, I, like, like, I don't know what this extra SEO hit is doing for you guys. And it just like, it makes, it sucks. Cause it like, there's a lot of things ho- happening in the NBA and all we can talk about is Zach Levine. Could he get traded to the Lakers for nothing? Perhaps. Having but the done, Bulls don't want that. And we're just like, uh. and it's like having, having done the Substack thing now for going on, this is my second year doing this. The, stories that i do that get the most new subs are always around around the trade deadline around like the draft and free agency and i get it like people love the transaction stuff but like it didn't used to be the only thing that no was talked about on these like national networks and now i feel i feel like it's gotten to the place where anything that isn't you know speculation about like oh who's gonna get traded this summer who's gonna change teams like i feel i feel like i feel like a lot of stuff has been like lost sight of like what the main thing is and it's even extended back to what i was saying before we kind of went on this little tangent here but down to like it should not be something that you have to spend more than two seconds on when a player gets assigned to the g league for a rehab assignment for one day it should not be like a full day news cycle well like no and i think like there are interesting things that are semi-transactional. Like, like, um, I was doing our family pod the other day, and I was talking about Minnesota. Right. And Minnesota, Minnesota being second in the league should be a bigger story than it is. Like, they got more attention for Rudy Gobert getting choked out than 
playing the way that they're playing. And I think one of the most interesting things about this NBA season is there's almost no way that this Minnesota team can stay together beyond this season. It is very, they're very much a team of the moment because of what's going to happen with this second apron thing. And it's like, we're spending all this time talking about Zach Levine when it's like Minnesota in a market that hasn't been good, has this, like all of a sudden they've got this team that looks like a contender that we know can't stay together beyond the season. Like, why are we not exploring that a little bit more? Like, what, like, and to me, like, that's interesting. Like, cause it's a, it's about like the new economics of the league and like, but obviously like, you know, I think that that's very interesting to people like you and me who are plugged in and like, are, this is what we do. Whereas like people that don't pay attention to the league as much and don't really care about the day to day, Zach Levine gets traded, gets them excited. Because That's a guy people have heard of. Yeah, and... he, he, he went to UCLA and he won the dunk contest. And so he has this like casual cachet. But it, I mean, it's just, it's just bullshit. It's diminishing returns. It's just a lot of like, I don't know. To me, you should have to be a top 20 player in the league to get this level of like trade. Yeah, request. I mean, it also it also helps who his I mean, it helps who his agent is. Yeah, that 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 part that part can't be ignored. Like, yeah, it definitely gets talked about more because his agent is who his agent is. Yeah, I think that's and one one more remix thing. Maybe the biggest Blazer news of the year so far. Mo Harkless is back. Oh yeah, that was a surprise. <laughs> I that can't was... I can't say I was expecting that. I saw. I saw a tweet like earlier in the day on what would this this would have been Sunday that that came out that Mo Harkless has signed with the G League because like the for people who don't know the way that the G League works is if you're like an NBA veteran and you want to get into the G League you just you don't sign with a G League team you sign a G League contract and then there's like a whole process for you know teams can you know try to acquire your rights and I think there's like a waiver process I'm still learning how all of it works because this is the first year that the team that I've covered has had a G League team so I haven't had to know this stuff before but now I do and I saw that they I saw that he was like so first of all the first thing that I saw was that the tweet that I saw about him signing with the G League said the 30-year-old Harkless, and I'm just like, what? Like This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on fire. 
even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Card was a 30. He was in Dame's draft. And, yeah, we're ta- and, you know, we spent all summer talking about, like, oh, Dame is old now and washed up and 34. And, like, we don't know if anybody's going to want to take on. But it's like a guy that was in his draft is 34. Like, like <laughs> what? Okay, and so yeah. that, that was the first part that was a little surprising to me. And then I saw that the remix got him. And, like, I immediately got texts from a lot of those same friends saying, like, hey, do the remix sell jerseys? Can I get a Mo Harkless Rip City remix jersey? Like, <laughs> and I don't know. Like, that's... That's just like that. That's gonna be now. It's like I'm really interested to go to their next home game and see if you know he plays in it and is there gonna be like a bigger presence because of Mo Harkless because that's such a. I mean, he was in Portland longer than I feel like it's almost doing him a disservice to say that he's a remembering some guys type of guy. But like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Like, the like point he, of the G, but like, what this is like one of the other things about the G League is like it's a chance to remember some guys. Like I saw, I was at the Clipper, the Ontario Clippers game the other day, and Dwayne Dedman was on the Ontario Clippers. So it's like, not only do you get to like look at prospects and you know see like the guys that are you know in the you know you know you, you get to like watch Rayon Repair and Chris Murray and Ibu Baji play real minutes. You also apparently now get to just remember some guys too. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, Mo was a starter here during yeah. like the best days that the franchise has seen in a long time. So I think yeah, he's definitely going to be beloved, and it's cool that he he's back. And I think Jim Moran was an assistant on the yeah he was when when Mo was here. So yeah, he was that, his whole time because he he so, joined the organization in fourteen, and then he left when Terry got fired. So he was there the whole time that Mo was here. Yeah, so so there you go. Like there, there's a connection there, and obviously with the front office people that, you know, almost all of the back of the house people, yeah. not all of them, because there's a ton of new people, but a lot of the the holdovers, there's still a ton of people that also know Mo Harkless from those Joe days. was so, there when Mo uh, was here. Uh, Danny Connors, the GM of the Rip right. City Remix, was has been with the organization since 2016, so he had most of Mo's time here. So yeah, so there you go. Like, like they've got they've got that together. It's a it, the Rip City Remix games are kind of a family of familial atmosphere. So I think yeah. Mo will add to that. It is going to be interesting. The one thing I don't, <laughs> the one thing I just want to say is I I just don't want uh, the Mo Harkless like redemption arc to like get in the way of making sure that like Rupert and Chris Murray and these guys get reps because like. To me, that's the most important thing about the G League, more than winning games, more than anything else, is like making sure those guys get high pressure, high intensity reps. And so just want to make sure that that still happens. I mean, I haven't, you know, I haven't been watching I, the G League that closely, but I, I just want to make sure that that still is happening. I if, I, if I'm think, Portland. I think they will. I think, I think they'll keep, they'll kind of know that they have to keep the main thing the main thing. I think, I don't think Mo Harkless joined the G League because he wanted to play in the G League. He joined the G League because that could potentially be a way for him to get back into the NBA. So if he plays well for a couple of games, maybe a team will sign him, and then that isn't a thing anymore. Yes, that, but, that, that is true. And I don't know if it seems like Portland is pretty spoken for in terms of roster spots. They, yeah, because once they, when they converted Skylar Mays, they had to... Uh, they, you know, that, was their, that was their 15th spot. I, by the way, I wonder how they're... Cause because WAP is going to hit his 50 games that he's allotted as a two-way guy pretty quickly because he's their primary backup center now that Robert Williams is out for the season. Yeah. So I wonder, and I 
I just, just putting two and two together, I haven't done any, like, reporting on this or anything, but just putting two and two together, the fact that Moses Brown doesn't play for the Blazers and his contract is 500k guaranteed until January 10th, I think that when WAP gets up to his 50 games, I think that that's going to be how that they how they open the roster spot to convert him to a real contract. That's just a, yeah. that's just a, that's just putting two and two together. That's not any kind of yeah, sources yeah. or reporting. No, it's it's just positional. It's yeah. what it's what the coach is doing. Uh, you know, if, if Moses Brown was going to play, he would have played over the past two and a half weeks or so. You right. know, like, and it's just like, so yeah, it just seems like maybe it's not going to be here for him. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I'm, I'm a big WAP fan. I'm a big fan of WAP. Well, he had so. that 37.10 rebound uh, performance in the first remix game in LA. And then he gets, you know, the next day, it was, like, it was just like right around the time that Rob Williams gets hurt. So now it's like suddenly he's, you know, he's, playing real minutes now and you know he had a couple of games where he's he basically like he's gonna there was i think i think haberstro showed this on the uh on the broadcast but like he'll go back and forth between having a game where he scores like 10 points and then having zero points and it's basically just like are those threes falling but it's 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 been interesting to watch. I mean, I think I think he's kind of brought a different look as far as the backup center goes. Uh, yeah, I think it's cool. Like he's just a shooter. Like yeah. he's just like, like he's just out there getting threes up. I mean, I think his first game he took like ten threes or something and made like five of them, or like 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 he he was on fire. And like you can't leave him open either. So it's like, and I think that's good for Scoot. You know, we're talking about like creating space. Like I, you know, I, I think all of that is 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 beneficial to you know, all the guards really to have just a, you know, to play with a big man that can space the court and, and knows how to play. And that's what I liked about Reith when I watched him in summer league and for Australia and it's, he's doing the same thing for the Blazers. So it, it, it's very dope to, to see that come to fruition. Like as much as it, you know, the, the Moses Brown stuff sucks. The, 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 the wreath of it all is very cool. Yeah. So what else are you going to be watching the next, uh, couple of weeks we're gonna wrap this up now but uh yeah no i mean more scoot with the goggles you know coming off the bench i i, I like that for him would like to see Shaden hit some more shots or get some easier looks get to the rim a little bit more and not you know and finish um and also just make some more of his open shots i mean i think he's just missed a lot of shots lately that you know you would have assumed that he would make and so i think he's getting used to the volume i think he's getting used to the workload but uh, you know, you'd like to see that you'd like to see him kind of turn that around and be a little bit more efficient because if he doesn't, then, you know, he's still very young, but like, then you go from like, is he a Kobe, Michael Jordan type to, is he a Gerald green <laughs> type? And like that, and that, and that would be a real bummer. Um, but you know, I think offensively, we've as we've stated, it's not an ideal system structure kind of thing where it's like you can get easier looks. Uh, but hey, but the, the, that's what I'm watching. Um, but I, I would love for them to continue the momentum they've got on defense. If they can establish like a top 15 defensive rating for the whole season, like that to me is something that they can build on. Yeah. At least, at least something you know, which is what I've been looking for is like have at least one end of the court that you can be like, 
and even then, like top fifteen, like I would you know would love for them to be top ten because like top fifteen, you're still just kind of mid. But also yeah. that that also that's a huge upgrade from they've been bottom five pretty much the last three or four years. Yes, it is. So in so. context, it is a big step. So if they can keep that going, improve a little bit offensively, you know, and, and keep being competitive. I think that's the one thing that I have enjoyed about this season, even though they're losing all most of these games. They're in a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's a good sign that, like, even if I don't agree with all of Chauncey's philosophies, that the players are buying in, which is like, you know, that is literally, that is half the battle. And, 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 and so if you've won that half, that's a good start. Yeah. So, Eric, we will, thanks for doing this. We will do this again at some point in the season. <laughs> That was a blast. Great time to, to get get all the blades back. So yeah. see, you, see you later. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.